I just love that you put the Champions League final in the um well the Champions League final being set in the other category. Like we're talking about like League Two, you know, promotion playoffs as its own thing, but then this is just other. Like the the most watched club game, you know, of the year is not is not its own thing. Hey, this is sad boys. Just just sad boys. I'm Jiggly. Okay. Adnan? You weren't gonna introduce me? I I I I'm I'm waiting for Adnan. Alright, well, I'll see you later then. Well, okay, I guess that doesn't work out. Um uh, yeah, yeah, in- introduce yourself. Hi. I'm Tim Hotzi. I uh write for Men in Red ninety seven, um, along with occasionally Jiggly. And uh I will be your honorary sad boy for for today. Uh, yes, he is, he's our he's our special guest this week. Uh, technically, while uh, Nick is the fourth sad boy, uh, I mean, we, 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 I've been thinking about asking uh, Tim to come on the podcast at some point. And so when Adnan told me that he was once again trapped in Europe, uh, figured that this was the right time. <laughs> where is he, by the way? Uh, I don't know where Germany? exactly. Okay. I well, can't remember back like, going because to last year. Well, it was because last year uh, he was coming back from Germany and then he got stuck in Ireland for like an extra day <laughs> because they moved his flight. And so, uh, well, I mean, like they paid for him to stay in a hotel and everything. But then uh, this year, I don't know what has happened, but uh, he just said that like he, he had to stay in Europe an extra day. So uh, technically he is coming back he's he's coming back to chicago within a couple of hours i think he's probably on his plane now but uh yeah uh he's uh he's got his new job to work on like the moment that he gets home and just not gonna not gonna bother him yeah it's the second time that we know someone involved with like covering the fire that has gotten stuck um outside of the continent this year because that happened to matt too when um, oh yeah it was matt yeah i was about to say like alex but that's not he was only in New York, like. No, that's yeah, firmly in the continent, and there's there's more than one way to get back here from Syracuse, but uh, not not. But so yeah, much Mac Mac got process. stuck in uh, Mac got stuck in like Israel, right? Yep. Anyway, so that's uh, that that's that's the life portion. Uh, also, uh, I went to the picket line on one uh, last week, so that was fun. Uh, I got to see uh, uh, the another uh, Men of Red contributor. I, Oh, he does. Uh, he does do the podcast, so like people would know who he is. Uh, Paul. Uh, Paul from uh, from from Men in Red. Yeah. Uh, he he's uh yeah, I hung out with him because he's a post production guy, and uh, so yeah, just hung out at the WGA picket. Then went uh, got got a beer at like a nearby pub, and then uh, watched the Champions League. <laughs> nice. You know what? That 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 was better than uh most of the time. That's First of all, it was a better it was a better uh, birthday. That day was a better birthday than my actual birthday, which was the next day. <laughs> but uh, uh, when I would uh, dig holes for most of the day and then also injure my elbows the day after that. But uh, I also uh, like got to finally I, I got to actually watch the Champions League game, which I don't normally do. So that was good. So I can talk about that later. I'm glad you caught that on TV because like it was like maybe it was last year I was. I think I was in Austin, 
No, I was in San Antonio. I was in San Antonio, and I'm, like, walking through downtown San Antonio. I'm there on a work trip, and, like, I've got, like, nothing to do in the afternoon when I think it was the Champions League. It, it may have actually been the final was on. And I'm like, well, there's got to be a bar somewhere here that has it or can get it on. And, like, nope. Like, you know, a, a bunch of random baseball games, like, early enough in the season that, like, no one, you know, really needs to care about them. But... Like asking at a couple bars about, you know, if they had like, no, they were just like, they looked at me blankly and just, you know, told me to leave. <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, Lizzie McNeil's. That's like basically like right on the river, like in an incredibly, it feels like an affluential area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, it's, it's within walking distance of the NBC tower. It's like <laughs> business. Yeah. I mean, this was like, like downtown by the Riverwalk San Antonio. So it was like the same area kind of area with like a bunch of like, fancy hotels and stuff like that. So like, I'm sure there's like a soccer bar somewhere that would have had it on, but I mean, I just couldn't find a walking probably wasn't downtown and I wasn't going to have work pay for like a $30 Uber ride for me to like go and like have a couple of drinks in the afternoon. Cause I had nothing better to do. So, <laughs> uh, the other thing and also somewhat involving that is that I finally got a letterbox account and I will now be scaring all of the film nerds that begged me to get a letterbox account by showing them my actual opinions on uh, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I found out that there's also anime on there. So like, it's, it's wonderful to compare like all of my, my interests in, in anime and also just like general film. And so you just see like, Oh yeah, five stars is Bochi the rock. And, uh, and like re and like remake my life or whatever it's called in English, uh, Bocatachi no remake. And then, uh, at three stars is the Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems fair to me. I, I I don't know. Maybe three stars is even a little generous for the Irishman. If we're if we're being honest. I mean, I'm just like, what are the? Because I mean, what I I usually base things off of like a. I actually no, not even a one to ten scale. I usually base it on like you know uh, a school grading, so like a C. That I consider like a seven to be a C and a six to be a d uh and like i have to do the 10 point scale on my anime list and now moving over to letterbox i have to put it into like a five star and yeah uh they're essentially i gave irish the irishman a d and it sits there right next to uh oh it literally is is snuck in between interspecies reviewers and do you love your mother and her two hit multi-target attacks which are two incredibly horny anime <laughs> <laughs> that is the level that it's at. One of uh, these things is not like the others. It, at least in yeah. terms of budget. Well, yeah, definitely in terms of budget. I don't know. I think Interspecies Reviewers must have had a, uh, way too. It had way too much of a budget. I think that's the, the biggest comparison I could give between Interspecies Reviewers and The Irishman is that it, it had too big of a budget. It didn't need that big of a budget. <laughs> uh, do you have anything you want to talk about? <laughs> You know, I think I'm pretty good. Life is kind of boring, just moving along. Um, hopefully my dogs will stay calmer, but I don't want to jinx it. So. <laughs> I also had to kick my dogs out of my room uh, right before. We, not dogs, one dog uh, out of the room before we started recording. Uh, yeah, they weren't in the room. They just sometimes go like because one of them is, you know, like 15 months old. So still very much like acting like a puppy and will just start randomly like running back and forth and making a lot of noise and it's just life. Yes, Zoomy. Uh so I guess we move on to the NHL playoffs. 
which is yeah. the perfect thing to talk about in uh, a soccer podcast. <laughs> Chris Brady reference. <laughs> yes, like Brady. Uh, all these Southern. Uh, this this is the part that you said actually. You can you can say that. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it it, it feels like an abomination that like. It, None of the teams that remain in the playoffs are places where ice naturally exists at any time of year. Um, like when the hurricanes are as close as you get, I mean, oy. I wanted, I, I'm so sad that the hurricanes are down three nothing because that's the one team out of the out of the last of the final four teams in the playoffs right now. That's the only team I actually kind of care about. Go Whalers. Well, I mean, not even the Whalers. Like, I know a bunch of people who are like uh, Canes fans, like. I think it's I think it's absolutely hilarious that they do have a Stanley Cup. <laughs> I mean, they just I mean, to be honest, they kind of deserve more than one, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's and it's kind of cool. They're still coached by Rod Brindamore, who's like been a part of the team, you know, for ages and ages and ages, you know. And uh, there was also another thing that you added in there. Oh, I didn't. The. Toronto coach getting fired. I, I think that no, GM no, before that, no, before that. Oh, the uh, the, the oh, yeah, the uh, so yeah, basically, uh, the uh, there was a quote from the uh, wiki page for for uh, Carlson for the Las Vegas Knights, which just says on 21st June 2017, having been left in quotes, exposed in quotes, which just makes it sound like he was like dump off the back of a truck like naked in the middle of an empty stretch of highway somewhere. So having been left exposed by Columbus for the 2017 NHL expansion draft, um, and it's talking about how he like became a Vegas Golden Knight, um, but, you know, hero in game two of the Western Conference final against the Stars. So they're up 2-0 uh, in the series. The um, Panthers are up 3-0 in their series against the Hurricanes. So, I mean, you know, anything can happen, but it just sort of feels like it doesn't seem like Dallas really wants to continue. It's just sort of seems like they're like, no, man, like Western Conference finals. Cool with us. Um, you guys, you guys go to the final Vegas. And it, it sort of feels like the, the hurricanes are also just sort of like, yeah, it's getting to be really good golf weather. So let's just wrap this up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the GM that got fired. I thought it was the, I thought it was the coach. But yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs fired their their GM, which I think that's hilarious. You know, anytime that something bad happens to Toronto is fun. I mean, because it, I mean, that, 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 that this is the thing that's like, you know, an average a, a listener wouldn't know about. No. yet, But like you uh, like grew up around like Ottawa. Yeah, I grew up. I, I spent I was in I was in Ottawa for four years. Um, so went to a ton of Sins games. So hate the Leafs and everything about them. <laughs> um and, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about them firing their GM was this is the first time in 20 years they've won a playoff series. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> if we're, like, grading on, like, a maple leaf-shaped curve here, like, this is actually, like, the pinnacle of success that they've had. The last series they won was actually against the Ottawa Senators in 2004 when, the I mean, the Senators were a phenomenal regular season team. I thought that we had one of the best coaches in the league. But when you look at that roster, like... There were like seven or eight guys that ended up being captains in the NHL after the time they left the Senators. And it's there's like, plenty I mean, of them. There's plenty of them that were on that team that like probably should be in the Hall of Fame or like are in the Hall of Fame. Right, are headed that way at some point because like some of them, you know, only recently stopped playing. And like, 
Yeah, it's insane. So like, I'm like, I went from thinking this coach was amazing to like, he quite possibly could have been like the worst coach in the history of the NHL because the team would just fold like a house of cards in the playoffs three years in a row to Toronto. And that's what happened in 2004, giving them their last playoff win until this season. But then they only made it to the second round. And then the other thing with that, with that is not only was it like, oh yeah, they finally won one, but like, this is like, they have spent so long trying to build a good team that can actually win. And they finally have a team. Like you look at this roster and there's a lot of names here that like, oh yeah, they actually do things like Austin Matthews uh, and, jo- and like John Tavares. And they just, they, they, they just can't do anything with this team. And so that's why it's so funny how they could build this team and still suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's been like, uh, I mean, like a ton of navel gazing. Cause like half the hockey writing in North America. Oh yeah. So half of it is just Toronto. Is- it's based in Toronto, yeah. And so about, like, why that is, and, I mean, one of the popular theories I think is true, which is, like, you're basically living in a fishbowl as soon as you, like, set foot in a Canadian market, but especially Toronto. So, like, if you're a player, like, you basically have no life. It's it's sort of like the life that, like, you know, top-tier, you know, stars have when they're playing for in a team that's expecting to make it to, like, a champion Champions League final in Europe. And so your life kind of sucks. <laughs> Every single decision is micromanaged and the fan base is just not going to tolerate a real rebuild ever. Like there's ever going to be like, look guys, there's going to be a few years. We're not going to make the playoffs. We're going to get some good draft picks, which, you know, it is a capped league. Like you can't just spend what you want, which is probably good because Toronto would probably like the Maple Leafs would probably do the same thing that, you know, their soccer affiliate that, you know, TFC yeah. would be doing where they, just blow money like a drunken sailor on on guys and end up, you know, in the middle of nowhere in the standings. I was going to say, I think I found the reason why that they don't why why they uh can't win right now is they don't have a guy named Tyler on their roster. Uh, it's a very was... hockey it Tyler is the most hockey name. <laughs> it's it's definitely it's like way up there. It's it's the hockey name. But uh also like it's it yeah it, I I was talking to my dad about like with like Florida and like why the why the hell are they even playing hockey in Florida, and he was just like, oh, would you rather play in uh, in in like Montreal in the in the winter and just be cold all the time, or just like you're somewhere hot and you get to be somewhere cold for a bit? I mean, <laughs> and, it's also like and, where I also considered that with what you were talking about. Like, I also considered with like it's sort of like with like Bossy coming to Chicago. It's like oh. People don't recognize me on the street. That's great. <laughs> I can just walk around. <laughs> and there's enough people like living in like both of those markets in in Florida. And like same thing, I guess, to a certain extent in Vegas, where it's like the, the people from like northern climates retired and moved there. So like there's like fans that know the game there. You know, they got like their kids coming to visit sometime and grandkids coming to visit. And it's like taken to a game. Well, yeah. Um, remember, remember when the. Uh when the Hawks played it played like the Stanley cups against uh, the lightning and then just like the entirety of the lightning arena being filled with Hawks fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like they, they'll show up in like in Tampa Bay gear. If it's like a, a game that they don't particularly care about, but I mean, otherwise it's like they show up in like their native, like whatever their like native cities team is. Okay. You have any other random sports here? I know that like, NBA, like there's Jimmy Butler is continuing to drag the Miami Heat through the playoffs, which is like, that's nice. <laughs> it is. I mean, to be fair, 
Boston is just acting like they're like again, just like sort of like bored with the whole thing and are like, just put us out of our misery. Like we don't even really want to try. Like they're not they're not trying oh. to be there. Oh, the Nuggets beat the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's great. Yeah. And then uh what the the Heat just have to uh win tonight uh on the day of recording and uh then the final will be uh, would be Nuggets against the Heat, but we'll see what the Celtics do. My uh, friend from Connecticut has not spoken to me in a while, so I don't know how he's doing. Anyway, moving on to actual soccer, and uh, normally I hand this off to Adnan, but since I wrote most of it, I guess I have to. <laughs> I guess I have to lead uh, this time around. Uh, in honor of uh, Adnan, though, uh, Bremen clawed back a draw from Cohn. Uh, they uh, gave up a goal in the 36th minute and uh, scored in the 73rd. Uh, lost out on possession, but like. Yeah, they barely clawed out a, a a draw from that, and I will. I'm one. I'm I'm gonna be very happy to hear Adnan talk about that game because he was there, uh, just so that I know what happened. Uh, and then the other one, uh, they they are now the only thing that stands in the way of Union going to the Champions League. But that is because Union lost, and that was the thing that you added in about Hoffenheim. I just feel like Adon talks about Hoffenheim like way more than any person should have to talk about Hoffenheim in this country. <laughs> like I think that like my like default audio clip of Adon saying anything is him saying the word Hoffenheim. Like, <laughs> I don't not, think I've thought like, about that much Bremen? in my life. He talks about Bremen too, but like I mean, I, I just feel like Hoffenheim is a more random team. I think that might be why he likes that. And then, of course, well, I mean, you take that, and then also with me randomly mentioning mentioning like uh, Niigata in uh, in Japan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Hoffenheim <laughs> are almost certainly safe from relegation. So that happened since the last episode. Um, I think they I did a math that, somewhere. Well, that game was like uh, what they uh, they were winning three uh, like two one, and then like. After the 90th minute, there were three goals scored, and it ended 4-2 for Hoffenheim over Union Berlin, which, by the way, I just want to mention, there were some strange weather formations on the pitch at the start of the second half. Like, the entire pitch was covered in smoke <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for a solid, like, five minutes, and I was, I was just so amused watching that. It just, it just occurred to me, too, that, like, the, the uh, Union Berlin's first goal also happened in stoppage time, but, like, of the first half, so, like... Out of a game that had six goals, one was scored in open play, one was a penalty, and all the rest were scored in like different parts of stoppage time, which is just nuts. That's fun. Uh, Dortmund and Bayern are now basically... Dortmund holds the key to their fate to uh, breaking up Bayern's uh, streak of Bundesliga wins. Uh, Bayern actually lost to RB Leipzig on Saturday. And uh, yeah, Dortmund will be up against Mines. Uh, they they hold the keys, and Bayern will be up against Köln. So that's going to be Köln. I think probably has a better chance of doing something than like than Mines. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's fair. I mean, and Dortmund, you know, have every reason to be motivated. And um, let me think. Oh, they're they're behind on goal differential, and they will be ahead on wins though. So I think that that's the first tiebreaker. So. It, they Bayern needs to win to get to get to the top, right? Yeah, yeah. They well, they're, down, they're, 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 they're behind two by points. two points. Yeah. yeah. So they need to 
they need to win. And if Hoffenheim, if Dortmund gets a draw, I don't know why I said Hoffenheim. I'm just stuck there now. Um, if Dortmund gets a draw, they will still have more wins. So even if they're level on points, which they would be if Bayern wins, um, Dortmund still will have more wins overall. So they would that they would advance like or not advance, but, you know, be at the top of the table. Uh, then I guess we can move on to the Premier League, which uh, you can mention your thing first while I pull stuff up. So, uh, yeah, Leeds, who ever since they hired Bielsa, consider themselves like this team that like is trying to like embrace new trends, new ideas, like an innovative team that like finally is back at the rightful place at the top in the top league in the world. And then when things look bad, they fired their first coach and Jesse Marsh. Then they fired their second coach and brought in. Uh, big Sam Allardyce at the end of the year to try to save them from relegation, which is like literally like the the like oldest play in the book. There's probably like, <laughs> like at some point, like I bet if you like look through like I don't know, I know, think FA Cup game like FA Cup matches from like the 1910s. There's probably a, a like Big Sam like time traveling back to try to save the day. Excuse like if you me, there, are, there are there are two other coaches that I would say do exactly that, which uh. Neil Warnock, which apparently he was coaching Huddersfield this year. <laughs> wow. Uh, short-term contract, uh, successfully guiding the club to championship safety. Uh, that was Warnock. And then uh, the other one is uh, Harry Redknapp, I believe, which I don't know if he's still being called upon to do stuff. Yeah, I thought he was, was done, but I, I mean, you never know. Because I think that... Yeah, he's you know, done. Yeah, I, I thought Sam Allardyce also kind of said that he was done, but then he keeps on showing up. And this time he claimed he was like in the same conversation as like Pep Guardiola, which is just amazing. Uh, uh, I just found out Harry Redknapp played for the Sounders. <laughs> the and like, the Phoenix Fire. <laughs> wow, that, that's a solid name for a team. I mean, if, if a team other than Chicago was going to be the Fire, I feel like that's a solid Well, I mean, city Phoenix Rising. Exactly. Yeah, it's a reference to it, but... I just never knew that they had a team called the Phoenix Fire. And the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Well, they were the Atlanta Flames first. Yeah, exactly. Though. Yeah. Which so is sort of funny because like, like, I, what I do we know, do now? Is there like a reference to Atlanta? Like, I, I don't get that reference. I mean, Calgary at least is sort of like an oil country in Alberta. So like, I see that reference, but I, I don't get how Atlanta and Flames are kind of connected. What, was you it don't? burned down in Civil War or something? I don't know. Yeah, it was. Like, okay. it was famously burned down during the Civil War. But is that the reference? Because that's a weird reference. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Well, I mean, the thing... Yeah, with that one, it's definitely like, you are naming it after a disaster. With the fire, it, with the Chicago fire, it was much more like, no, the rebuild is what created the city. Exactly. It's about the, the rebuild after. I guess Atlanta rebuilt after, too. Well... Um, eh. Almost successfully <laughs> enough to be able to keep an uh, NHL team, but apparently not. <laughs> No, no, well, they lost out on it twice. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh-huh. then, uh, okay, moving on to the monkey knife fight, as Adnan puts it. Although, I think there's probably m- there we probably missed out on the monkey knife fight for the Bundesliga and also the two dot space Bundesliga. But I'm just gonna stick with the Premier League uh, monkey knife fight right now. Uh, Forest is officially safe. Uh, Everton stayed alive with an equalizer against Wolves at the death. And then Leicester and Leeds are currently in the drop zone. So here's some maths for you. Everton needs a win over Bournemouth to guarantee safety. They can draw, but they would need Leicester to not win or Leeds to not win by less than three. Or, or you know, they would not. They would need 
leads to not win by more than three. There we go. Uh, and Leicester just need to win against West Ham and hope Everton doesn't win. They have the goal differential. Uh, and then Leeds also need to just win against Spurs, but need to make up three goals if Everton draws. Uh, so, yeah. That's why Everton, I said they're going down. Like, Leeds are not. Leeds are yeah. Not I mean. Yeah, it's against Spurs. Well, it is Spurs. <laughs> it yeah. is Spurs who have lost uh, three out of their last four games. But if the Spurs get, I guess they do need a win. I think if they get a win, I think that they're, I mean, technically qualified for Europe in the sense that they make the Europa Conference League qualifiers. So that's something to fight for. And yeah, I mean, I I think it's a, I, I keep mentioning it, but le- there should be more talk about Leicester going down because this is what they deserve. They did nothing after winning. The, 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 like everyone loved them when they won the Premier League and then they just sort of like sat on that for a while and never did anything about it. Well, I think they were surprised that they won it is the other thing. They're like, what do we do? And so it's like trying to like, it's like when you like, you know, play a new game for the first time, like 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 an actual like sport and you like manage to get like maybe almost like like you first time you swing a golf club and you like drive the ball down like 200 yards and you're like, how the heck did I do that? And then you you know, try swinging again and you're like in a sand trap for the next like two hours. I'm sorry. I just saw that uh, they sell Chicago sell hot dogs at uh, Subaru Park in Philadelphia and uh, they put ketchup on it. That's not mm. a Chicago sell hot dog. No, <laughs> I got distracted. <laughs> well, at least they're trying. I don't know. It, <sighs> I, I don't know how hard they're trying if they're putting ketchup on it. Yeah. Is this footy uh, scram? Yeah. See, I mean, but you never know, though, because, like, there's places that I've been, like, they, some of the photos are definitely not how the food is served. Like, people, like, you know, get put condiments on that you have to put on yourself. And then other times you don't see that. And it does, I mean, it does radically change people's opinion on whether it's scram or not scram. Yeah. Then there's the, the, the incredibly sad burger that they posted from, like, the fire game like from soldier field i'm pretty sure it's just like yeah i don't think anybody wants to have that i don't think anybody gets that the only thing that you should that you should buy at soldier field is ice cream nachos or a pretzel the pretzels are okay <laughs> like it just is like the most like basic well, yeah it's like, like it's it's a it's a pretzel that's what right. it is <laughs> it's, it's very hard good. to get I mean, that wrong yeah I mean, some of them do seem like they like were like left over from when the Bears were playing, and you're like, this could like potentially cause someone um, a need for dental work with how hard they are. Now they do have Chicago style hot dogs and Polishes, which are like fine, like they're they're okay, like they're they're decent enough to get the job done. And you know what else can you want? I think that they actually use like Vienna beef franks or something like that. So springing for the actual you know brand name thing. Which is not something they do with their uh, pop selection because it's RC Cola. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, R- RC Cola is uh, is technically the official po- uh, drink of this podcast. Oh, there you go. I um, mean, I, I that's, back, that's back from the RJ era. <laughs> Got it. Well, I, I had someone tell me why um, the Park District has like only serves RC Cola products at at Soldier Field. And apparently both Pepsi and Coke wanted like standards to make sure that like 
the syrup to like carbonation mixture was done correctly and stuff like that. And um, whatever the food vendor was, I think it may be Aramark for the park district. We're like, yeah, we're not really interested in doing that here. Um, and so they they couldn't get either Pepsi or Coke, and it was they were stuck with RC. Well, RC Cola is still it, it it is still the official drink of this podcast, as we are the official soccer podcast of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on to uh, the promotion playoffs, though. So going up this time, uh, yeah the. What was the thing that you wrote there? <laughs> oh, I just said that, like, the EPL should also, like, well, it, it would be more the championship, but, like, it should be a thing in England, too, was my point. That there should be promotion playoffs in, in England, well, like, there you is. You probably, in- you probably mean, like, the, the, like, the, you know, third place versus third from bottom, that type of thing? Exactly. I don't, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because like the, the money difference between the Premier League and every other league is starting to grow, including the championship. And so I don't see why like capping it at three, like just the incentive that a team would have for just trying to make it to the Premier League could make it interesting. And then it also makes Premier League teams like sit a little bit less comfortably if it's like four teams that go down or even if it was like the four and five like play like a two-legged playoff where they play like the fourth and fifth bottom table teams play each other. And then the loser plays the like fourth place team in the championship or something like that could be cool. I guess yeah. it'd be a play out. It's like a yeah. play in button reverse. <laughs> I like the idea of a play out. Uh, I, well, I mean, I, I don't like the idea of the loser has to play an extra game. It just in terms of just like it, it, it feels like I don't know if that feels weird. I know, like but that's the loser plays more. Hilarious. It does. It just feels weird. Uh, and it should anyway. always have to be hosted at the um at the championship team's venue. It should always be away for the Premier League teams. Uh, anyway, uh, going into like the uh in the English uh promotion playoffs uh and league two my old football manager side from football manager 2016 stockport county barely squeezed past salford on penalties and despite a late attempted comeback bradford falls to carlisle in extra time i actually watched all of those goals in that game uh and that was pretty interesting but yeah it's going to be stockport against carlisle i'm taking stockport in this just because of my history with the team I like mm-hmm. I like Edgley, I, I, I like Edgeley Park and yeah. I, I was, think that they're the only team in League Two that doesn't have the like actual icon when you like look up the table in Google. Wow. Which is sort of hilarious. Uh well I, I, I know their I know their logo very well because as I said, they're they're my they were my team in football manager sixteen. I led them all the way to the top and now that save is gone. Just <laughs> It was dele- it was deleted when my 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 computer crashed uh, years ago. Uh, League One, uh, Bolton lose to Barnsley in a normal, old fashioned way. They lost two one on aggregate. It was one one from the first leg, and then they lost the second game. And then Sheffield Wednesday overcame a four nil first leg deficit to get past Peterborough on penalties. Uh, they won that game uh, that that second leg game. Uh, I believe five to one. <laughs> Wow. Uh, to even get to well, I mean, it was four nil to even get it to extra time, 
and then uh, I believe Peterborough scored another one in extra time, and Wednesday had to come back again, and then they won on penalties. So yeah, go go Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, oh, I just realized Accrington Stanley are looking like they've got a good chance of going down. They won last week, but if they don't again, then then they they will. But currently they're in twenty third place. Well, if the playoffs are happening, then wouldn't the they would be in the play? They'd be in the playoffs to go down. I mean, they could potentially get themselves out of it. No, I mean, if the playoffs have already started, then wouldn't the season itself, oh, the regular season, be over? Oh man, for some reason I was thinking there was one more game. I was still in this league for some reason in my head. All right, ignore me, everyone. <laughs> and then uh, championship. Uh, we mentioned Luton last week uh, in a very small stadium. It looked very nice and cozy. Uh, they beat Sunderland, and they will be up against Coventry, who scored their lone goal in the entire uh, in the entire playoff uh, against Middleborough in the second leg. So, yeah, it's going to be Coventry against Luton. So, whoever goes up from that game is uh, it's certainly interesting that they're going up because what Luton hasn't been up there since like the first season of the Premier League, and I don't know if country, Coventry's ever been up there. I mean, not. I don't know if they have been. They've been top division. I don't know if they've ever been Premier League. Yeah, I don't think they've been in the Premier League. I know they've been top division. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually want to check that right now. Usually, I tr- you you know usually I trust Adnan to just like keep talking while I look up stuff. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, were they? I don't. You know what? I actually don't think that they have. They no, they have. Coventry they were definitely there in the early two thousands. They were yeah, there in the they, early Yeah, they that. were there in 2000. They went down in 2001, I believe. Yeah. They were up so, there from like the late 60s to 2001. But they were like all the way down in League Two just like four years ago, right? Like they've been like on a yeah. straight trajectory up. And then I just want to check Luton Town to see if they, to see when specifically they went down, which of course it's not going to show me. That By the way, Coventry play in one of the like, I just love the name of their grounds. Um, Coventry Building Society Arena. It just it just sounds so English. Like that is not anywhere else. Uh yeah, Luton was up there for I think the first couple of years of the Premier League. Because what the Premier League started in ninety one. Yep. Right? Yeah, so they were up there for a couple of years, then in ninety three they went down. And they were all the way down to uh the National League, actually. You know what? Uh, actually, they, they never played in the Premier League. They were a founding member of the Premier League when they announced it, but they were relegated the year that the Premier League started, so they've never actually been up. Really? Yeah. Because it says that it was ni- that they went down in 93. I, well, I don't know. This is just from randomly Googling, but it says Luton Town were one of the founding members of the Premier League, but they never played in the top flight, being relegated a season before the league started. I was just was that really then? Oh yeah, I guess it, it was the football league. It was still the football league in ninety yeah. uh, ninety one ninety two. Because it was announced huh. as the like they announced the Premier League in ninety one, but it wasn't. I don't know that they they needed time to figure out how to not be a breakaway league and still be cool with everyone else. I guess I don't know. I'm here. I think that I'm. I think that this is just the championship. Now, aren't yep. they aren't they one of the clubs that would have to like figure out where the heck they're going to play if they do go up? Yeah, well, the the owner said that they uh, that they're going to put a bunch of money into it to get the uh, 
to, to get these the park up in order. Yeah, but I mean, you don't exactly have a ton of time, especially in like. In well, yeah. Like, and I also I also looked into it uh, le- last week, where it's just sort of like I cannot figure out what team that they're playing at because it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> there's yeah. no there's nowhere nearby. Uh, oh, Ethan Horvath plays there. Yeah, I forgot about that. And Reese Burke. I feel really bad for for Horvath because it, it just is like he was like, "Are you going to be got, not not one of the top three? Okay, bye, see ya." And I and I feel like a lot of USMNT fans have just kind of forgotten about him, which is sad. I mean, yeah, but also, like, I don't care too much. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where Luton Town is in this area. I don't think it's this. It's actually the weird thing is, is that there's two different places around in in around here. That's okay. There's Luton. So from there, and it's, it's sort of like you're like outside out. of 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 London, kind of like. Well, past- no. I was looking at there's there's a random place there that just says Luton down in like freaking uh south uh southeast of London when it, it's actually northwest of London. But yeah, like nearby, I mean Milton Keynes is nearby, like not that well Are I mean Browns. Watford's not that far. I mean it's like if you're in England and going to a going to a match, it's like a foreign country because I think it's like a good 10 or 15 miles. But I mean, it's not like it's that crazy. Yeah. But the guy did say that like they could do it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I guess Wolverton too. Like, yeah, like Wolverton is an option. Maybe Stevenage has a big enough stadium. Yeah. I mean, still, it's like not. Not ideal. Um, And that also says something about your confidence where like you're you're now like, oh, crap, we've got to spend millions and millions of pounds in like a couple of months to try to get the stadium ready as opposed to like spending some of that money like last summer, like buying new seats and stuff like that. So they would be there um, and not having to race as much. I just think that's fun. This is fun. I want looting up because I mean, the thing, the thing with these stadiums is like, yeah, they want you to have like the, the big enough attendance, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's a good looking place. Like it's fun. It, it seems like a fun place. Uh, yeah. Like I, I love that sort of like enclosed type uh, type of style. And like if they renovate it and it start it starts looking like you know a normal modern ground. It's it, it, it you'll you'll lose a bit of that charm. No, that's that. I mean, and the thing is, like, there's only so much you can do because it is hemmed in on like every side by development. So you know you can't like do the like crash landed concrete spaceship thing there well i i really want the if the fire can find a way to like build their own stadium it to look like something like the you know kenilworth where it's just or, or what is it yeah kenilworth where it's just sort of yeah. like it's it's so close and closed in I, like just like a mini bombonera i guess <laughs> yeah where it's like in in a neighborhood, it's not just like this thing that you like drive to. Well, I mean, there's the like the the Damon silos. You know, the yeah, Damon yeah. silos. Yeah. Yeah. Like build it into that. Like uh, I know that they had like the the uh, when they were considering leaving uh, what was Chelsea when they were considering leaving Stamford Bridge and uh, they were looking into buying uh, the battery 
whatever it's called the one with the one that was on the uh on the pink floyd album yeah yeah they were considering bot and there was some like concept art of a stadium built into that i would like for the fire to do something like that if they had the if they like were able to actually get it but i think they sold the damon cells a while ago and they just and whoever bought it just haven't hasn't done anything with it yet that's a that's yeah. a incredibly like deep dive thing to check like okay i mean because that is one of the only spots that it's it's because it's right by the ashland orange line so there is yep. you know like the l is right there a lot closer than it actually is at soldier field people would complain about it not being like on the red line or the loop which is just like you can't make everyone happy but like yeah that that location could work um yeah i'm trying to find because i know that they're trying the to sell oh wait they were sold to uh michael tedden jr company which i don't know what yeah, yeah. i have no clue who uh that is by the but, way, uh, Town's ground, by the way, it is. I looked it up 18.9 miles to Watford's ground. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's fine to us, <laughs> right? But to them, it's like a different country, man. I like and like the Damon Cells are like right on the river, too, which would be so perfect. Oh man, I forget. Like, I never saw it because the guy, I think the last guy that did it, like, stopped doing it in the 80s, but um. I used to go to um, some like Shrewsbury Town games in the summers, and the their old stadium, which was called Gay Meadow, was like right on a river. Like literally, like one of the stands like backs up on a river, and they weren't like it was like a high school sized like stand on that side. So it's not like you had like a big like a lot of like stuff vertically behind. And so if you booted it hard, like that ball was going in the river, and the team was cheap enough where they gave this guy basically a free ticket to a match. And there was this, like, round, like, traditional boat that's been around since, like, I mean, like, the Celts probably used them back in the day. Like, they're, like, thousands of years old, the design of this boat. Not this exact boat, but, like, the design. And he would, like, go into the river and, like, go pick up the ball and, like, retrieve it because the the team didn't want to have to keep on buying balls all the time. I mean, it's just, like, it, 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 why, why can't we get Damon Silos? Because also, like, there, there's so many petitions to try to save the Damon Salas because it's like it's a historical place. But if you build into it and use it as the structure for the stadium, like, that's still preserving it. Depending on how they did it, I mean, that that sounds like they could be running into, like, the Soldier Field renovation issues, depending on how. And, like, there may or may not be, like, a whole mess of, like, environmental regulations you have to clean up that would make it oh, almost no, there's- impossible. There, there, there are a lot of environmental like issues that when they sold it, there were a lot of environment, environmental issues. Yeah, I mean, having said that, I, I think that it's all kind of like, I, I mean, as far as I know, Joe Mansuito still convinced that like Soldier Field is is going to be the home well, of I mean, the fire. As far as I know, he's convinced that they can get land within the loop. <laughs> I thought he wasn't really looking. I thought he was just, I mean, now apparently he's not like, apparently he's not like really looking, but like, apparently like there's like the thing of like, Oh yeah. He, he thinks that if, if we do get one, it's going to be within the loop. It's like, I don't think so, dude. Yeah. I mean, there just isn't room there. I mean, even with his amount of money, um, like to be honest, like the team's training ground was basically as close in as you could get. And it's not big enough to actually build a stadium. Yeah. Anyway, you know. I'm just having fun looking at pictures of the Damon Silos. <laughs> uh, we should probably move on to uh, other, which, uh, yeah, Inter versus Milan was disappointing. 
Uh, and then so was Madrid versus City. Like the second leg of those two games were very disappointing. Yeah. Only only two of the teams showed up, and they were the ones that also showed up the in the first yeah, leg. They're also gonna and yeah, and they're yeah. also gonna be the only teams that are showing up to the uh, final. Uh, yeah, and that's exactly. gonna be Inter against City, which everybody is gonna hope for Inter to win just so that City can continue to not win in Europe. Yep. Which is the <laughs> funniest streak. Uh and then I uh I have to pause right now because I gotta help because my gotta take a picture yeah. real quick for somebody. Ara, ara. Sayonara. Okay, there was a bit of difficulty with needing to help my parents with stuff. Uh yeah, but moving on to uh, Europa final will be Sevilla against Roma, which uh, means another trophy for Mourinho because I don't. Sevilla has like been weird. <laughs> I mean, Sevilla is like, always weird. Like that just is like sort of like their their style. Like I, I think that like they had some sort of issue with like players like not showing up despite them like spending big on them. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be Roma. It's going to be Roma. It's going to be Mourinho again. That's just how it is. Uh, and then, uh, Fiorentina come back against Basel in the second leg. Uh, they will be up against West Ham in the conference league finals. So we will have a, uh, an Italian team in all three levels of, uh, of, uh, European competition. And honestly, I'd kind of want all three of them to win. <laughs> I mean, that would actually be, I mean, one pretty sweet for everyone that, likes Italian football, but also just especially at the top, it's what we all want. I mean, it's what we all it's want. It's what we all want at the top. I mean, that's the thing, like, you know, you get City lose, you get Mourinho winning, and then interesting team. Yeah. Didn't like, Sevilla beat Juventus to get to get yes. Europe? Oh, yeah. Huh. So, on the other hand, they've slayed an Italian giant, so they can be happy about that, I guess. Yeah, it's, it, they're just not going to do that against Roma because Mourinho is, no. is that good. Uh, moving on to the J-League, uh, which everyone's favorite segment. How, how much do you... Uh, Tim is a regular listener of this podcast. How much do you enjoy the J-League segment? I mean, to be, I, I enjoy how much you're passionate about it. <laughs> it, it. It's wonderful how much I I just look up the scores right before we start recording every single time. And it's everyone's favorite segment. Everyone's favorite segment. Uh, I mean, to so be was, fair, sooner or later, it will be relevant because an MLS team will start mining like the J League and the K League for talent. And they, they, will be a, they will be a better team than other teams in the league because teams in South America have like just like an MLS guy shows up, like walks to the door and they just like add an extra zero to the price of some of these guys. So in a salary cap league, like being able to find value is what it's all about. And uh, the South American teams are content to basically like, you know, hose us down for money now. So that's a place that you can find value. I know that the, that like, there's also like good tie players as well that like, mo that mostly play in like the J league, but they're yeah. good players. <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing, the the only way that like you get to know who these players are even who who they even are is if you play like uh like Pez or what is it called now? Is it e football? I think it's called. Mm -hmm. That's stupid. But like it's the only way that you get to know like who these players are. Uh but it's uh I think uh 
the big guy, like big midfielder that people like is uh Supachaka Sawashat, who uh probably probably pronounced that terribly, but like that's a, that's one that's one of the guys that's like major uh Subachai uh Chai Dead uh plays for still plays in the Thai League and he's like said to be like the top player for Thailand pretty soon. So yeah. Cool. I don't know. I think that I think that's uh, like a lot of their like just like a crazy things happen. It's like MLS after dark, like game in, game out from the highlights that I've seen. Yeah. Well, in the Thai League, yeah. Uh and uh but J League is a little bit less so, although there's still some weird stuff happening that I'm still trying to figure out why it's happening. Uh Serizo Osaka went 2-0 over Sonam Belmari. That's pretty normal. Uh Kyoto Sanga lose 2-1 to Sap uh, to uh, Sapporo. They slid, They have now slid down to the bottom third of the table. That's pretty normal as well. Iniesta did not make the bench in Kobe's 1-1 draw with Kashua Reysal, so I'm sure Adnan will be sad about that. Uh, that's also honestly pretty normal at the moment. <laughs> and then Yokohama FC beat Kawasaki 2-1. How? You've heard us talk about Kawasaki. How? Yeah. I, <laughs> if I had answers, I'd I don't know. To be honest, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast because I'd already know. But no, I mean, it it just is one of the we were just saying that like the J League wasn't like MLS after dark. And then you just like mentioned like one of the like, most like not, after dark kind of things to happen. It, it It's not like after dark. It's like Kawasaki. This entire season is just like not done well. They are now like firmly mid table after like dominating for the past like five years or something. So weird. Well, they're a little bit less, um, I don't know, committed to the mid table, I guess. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Gambo Osaka Ultras protested the team's horrible performances, but failed to make any real effect on the two no loss to Marinos. Uh, the other fan, like their other fans that were in the stadium, they started up their own chants. So like any sort of like silent protest was just useless. Uh, also, uh, they have seven points in 14 games and are on a five game losing streak. So yikes. I know that, uh, the J league actually does have like some sort of like protections against, uh, relegation for, uh, teams that are like owned by major companies. Uh, I don't think it protects you from getting relegated to the second division though. I think it only protects you once you get further down into the, uh, list. So Yeah. Uh, Gambo Osaka looks pretty ready to get relegated pretty soon, which is once again not quite like Kawasaki, who are like dominant and are now mid table, but they were like pretty solidly up there for a little bit and have just been decimated. <laughs> What's crazy uh, though is as bad as Osaka have been, they they aren't even the worst in the league right now in terms of goal differential. Well, yeah, it's just like you know, well, that's just very MLS. J yeah. uh, the J League is just like. MLS with like it's MLS but like slightly more classy <laughs> I guess is the right way to put it like there's still the Premier League like the, 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 the top division the top league in their area of the world like I don't think the K I, I don't think the K League has much against the J League I don't think it does now I mean but the K League is like a relatively recent phenomenon too well i mean the j league too yeah uh moving on uh to women's soccer now the Wii league uh jeff loses three nil to the reds so that's 
that's bad. Uh, and then there's not much movement on the table once again. So yeah, just, that's how it is. And then the NWSL, there is actually a new USLW league that is going to be competing with uh, the NWSL for the top league rights. Uh, I'm trying to find who was posted. Like Adnan kept sending me stuff about it, and I just didn't mention anything. Oh, it was right before. Uh, it was actually he probably mentioned it uh, last episode then. But uh, they're going to be putting, yeah, the USL Super League is going to be starting up, and they will try to be a Division One t- league to compete with the NWSL. So that's happening. Uh, they're, they're, they're putting a team in Madison. Uh, and then in actual NWSL news, uh, Gotham really out here right now. Uh, they got a 4-1 win over Oil Reign, and they are top of the league at the moment. So that's good for them. Meanwhile, the Red Stars lost 4-0 to Portland. They allowed three goals between the 8th and 16th minutes. And uh, yeah, it's just... It's... it's it's divine retribution at this point. It is like God hates them. Yeah, they yeah, they, just nothing is going like literally nothing is going right. I mean, they but, have a solid defense, too. It's just that like it's not playing like it. Yeah, they just completely forget how to play because what now they've been outscored seven nothing in their past couple of games like. Uh, and I, I think the last time they even managed to get a draw was back in April. So. Yeah, not a great look. Yeah, I, but hey, it, they got they got that one they got that one um, victory over Kansas City. So you know, it's just not good right now. Although uh, at least they still look good because I remember uh, they had a uh, that the league put up like all the uh, jerseys next to each other. It's like, oh yeah, who's who's got the best jerseys and everything? And I mean, honestly, when you look at it, I think that. Uh, the top three are Red Stars, Louisville, and Gotham, because all the other ones look so basic. <laughs> and, then there's, and then no. there's Portland, which is the opposite of basic. <laughs> right. It's a bit too much. Now, I like, I like Casey's logo. I, I will give them that. Like, they've got a pretty sweet-looking logo. I think the Red Stars logo is better, but yeah, the, the jerseys, though, the execution's not there. Well, I mean, I think I think Adnan said it best by saying that it looks like a basic, like a default logo (laughs) for like an esports team. Like you don't want to customize the logo. So you just go with the thing that is generated. Yeah, that's fair. So the thing that could maybe and I I don't think this is actually going to happen because I think the Red Stars, you're right. Like they just need some like, I don't know, to atone. I, I don't. Well, what's sad is I don't think the players really have to atone. Um, and they're the ones that end up having to pay for a lot of this. But um, but in theory, doesn't the Challenge Cup start up in a couple weeks, like a week or so? So I think, I, usually that's supposed I remember that, like, they started trying to do that as like a preseason tournament. I'll look it up. No, they're the Red Stars first Challenge Cup match is the uh, 31st. Yeah. So against Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's weird. Like. The, the challenge cup itself is just weird because like they, they played it as like a substitution for a season during the pandemic. And now they're trying to make it a thing, but like, I don't know. I don't think it's worth it to make that a thing unless you're making it like a, an F, like an FA cup open cup type thing. I, I mean, I, I think that the idea is that like, you just need like, like, 
they need games, right? Like, and there needs to be multiple forms of competition. And I mean, Europe is like chomping at the bit for the rights to be like the place that women want to go. There, there's pay that's better at a number of clubs already, and they're going to start producing facilities as well. Exactly. Say nothing of the fact that because well, a I mean, lot it's of not time, even that it's not even that they're fighting and they're trying it now. Like, it already is better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they've got you know, if, if you're a the women's team that's part of an existing club, I mean. You have like supporters that you can you've got an email list of, you know, 20,000 supporters you can just press send to and get people to games and stuff like that. Like they have the ability to stand up things very quickly. And so I think that part of the reaction to that is you just need more. You need more games to keep sharpness up and you need to do what you can with that. I mean, it's weird that it's like the same teams playing each other. But if the U.S. Soccer Federation doesn't want to actually do the right thing and make like a women's open cup. Well, the Women's Open Cup does exist. It's just that the NWSL isn't a part of it. I mean, I thought it was the Amateur Cup, though. Like, I thought it was specified as being amateur to the point that I think that that was one of the questions is whether or not, like, the USL Women's League Pro would be eligible to play, because I don't think they would be eligible to play. Well, I remember back when the WPS was around, the Red Stars played in the Open Cup. Or I'm thinking of when they're down in, like, the A-League or whatever it's called. Yeah, because I don't think that, I don't think that, um, I don't know, I, I don't believe the competition exists. There was, like, the National Women's Open Cup, but it stopped being played, like, 10 or 15 years ago at this point. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a U.S. Soccer Federation-sponsored competition, and I mean, it just seems like it's time, especially with there being more pro leagues, more, like, kind of, like, sort of like semi-pro or I guess like maybe pre-professional as a way that like the, the players can maintain college eligibility um, leagues around. I don't think that they would be allowed to compete necessarily just because of that, like whatever the requirements are to have to stay on the right side of the NCAA's increasingly unsupportable rules. But, you know, um, well. but that's why you do it. I think it's the same thing as like the She Believes Cup. Like, is it ideal that you have these like sort of like private, like, corporate 100% corporate sponsored not even like a fig leaf of it being something else hold on i remember that there's a new there's a different side name for the she believes cup that they that some people are trying to use it's it's named after a dude i think yeah i can't find it oh well oh yeah it's there's like yeah she believes cup is just the one random cup that is just like yeah i guess and it's there to fill a hole in the schedule right like it's there because like you've got like the olympics you've got the world cup and then there's like not enough things and there's a couple competitions in europe as well that are sort of like similar to it but it's like it's the opposite of the problem you've got with the men's game where like they're just trying to shove games in wherever they can and like make the nation's league a thing everywhere in the world and stuff like that even if no one really cares that much about it um but I, I mean, I, I, so I see the incentive behind it. But again, it's just it's weird that it's like, all right, teams, we're going to play each other in two separate competitions with the same people at the same time. Like, it, you know, but it does give the Red Stars a chance that like maybe actually like giving fans something to go watch other than pretty much a guaranteed loss, which is what they've been treated to so far. I was thinking of the Arnold Clark Cup. <laughs> oh, that's that is around. a completely separate that no actually it was it, it actually just began last year 
Uh, it's, that, it's that's for the English the, one, right? Yeah, it's the English one. Yeah, and then there's like a Spanish one too. That's um, what is it? Uh, no, it's Portuguese. I'm thinking of. I think the Algrave what? Cup. It's the Portuguese like women's cup. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's not for, it's hosted in Portugal by Portugal. It's not for just Portuguese teams. It's like the U.S. was involved in it uh, some in the like '90s, I think, and like the maybe like up through the 2010s or something. I don't think they've been invited in a while. Well, it's all at like the same time. Like all of these are like around the same time. Algarve Cup, Arnold Clark Cup, Cup of Nations, uh, which is like Australia, uh, uh, Cyprus Women's Cup, which I don't think anybody really plays outside of like the European teams. Istria Cup, uh, Pinatar Cup, which that is in Spain. Okay. Uh, okay, that's the one. I knew there was one in Spain. Uh, Ternoy de France, uh, Turkish Women's Cup, and then Women's Revelations Cup, which is in Mexico and uh, was had, was just started last year. And then there's the uh, Kieran Challenge Cup, which happened like once. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this thing, like a lot of these things like come and go really quickly. I oh, mean, Yuki scored in it. Hey, Yuki. I mean, I think, but that just says that like there's not enough like competitions that are are being sponsored by like the confederations and stuff like that. And so these things kind of like come and fill in the gap. And I don't think that anyone loves it. And I don't think that anyone thinks that like the women's game is going to have these round in 20 years, or at least I think the hope is that they don't need them. But for now, they give you like something to play for at a time when you've got nothing else and well i mean i do think that there's like this small thing of like what uh i mean there was the conversation that we were having back when uh the when the canadian team was protesting and basically saying like they if they're being forced to play then just like don't try like score own goals on yourself like just like the she believes cup does not matter the world cup is what matters so if you're playing the she believes cup and you're being forced to play even though you were trying to protest then just protest by scoring own goals the entire time i mean it doesn't matter put on a passing like especially because like the other teams i think like the u.s women said a lot of things in support like they would have just like gladly like put on like a passing clinic or like i don't know done like pricks with a ball for 90 minutes um and then (laughs) i love the idea I love the idea that it turns into just like the the just like one of those like tricks things that happen like at halftime where like they send out the people who like have ball skills and it's just like, yeah, and then they put on music. I just love the idea that like the game starts, it just sort of stand around for like 10 minutes and then suddenly it's just like like music kicks in and then they just start like (laughs) juggling it. (laughs) Right. And they just have like the goalies like boot it back and forth to each other for like 20 minutes. Well, I mean, that was um, the other idea. Just put the, the, the keepers on top, like ha- have, have your have your goalkeeper start a striker. Yeah, that's that's one squad rotation. Everyone rotates 90 degrees from where they're supposed to be playing. I thought that's what squad rotation was. Well, I mean, one <laughs> definition of it, I guess. The other definition is like, you, you know, you, you play your, you know, third center back instead of your first center back for a game. I thought it was like rotate like in like in volleyball where you just I mean it's used in uh, <laughs> I mean uh, like normally yeah, they, if you're they like, rotate oh, yeah, the like, team around in, vo- in volleyball yeah exactly I mean they should like they should have done that in a soccer game in a game that they gave absolutely like no crap about uh <laughs> when they were protesting basically not getting paid but having to play yeah at the same time like I mean it's like we don't like 
I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think it's pretty safe to assume. Like, we're not like we don't love the U.S. Soccer Federation and are, are probably no. more on the don't like them side of the scale. I but hate like, most most forms of authority. But like, it's got <laughs> nothing. It's got nothing on what the Canadians have. Like the Can like Soccer Canada is like actively like trying to be evil or incompetent. Um, yeah, and then there's like, uh. And then there's Mexico just to the women's side. Yeah. And Argentina although, just to the women's side. And Spain just to the women's side. Although, like, it, it, to Mexico's credit, it seems like they're getting their act together with, like, the women's side. Yeah. Um, they're, they're making strides. They're trying to. And it seems like they have no clue whatsoever what to do with the men's side. Because that, like, they've just been, like, I don't know what, like, spinning their wheels or something. But, like, they've got no plan for the men's side. So... They're acting competent with women, with the women's side in a way they're not with the men's side. So I guess you got to give them. Which is surprising. Right. When, when, in terms of like most of the world, like usually they focus on the men's side. Well, I think they've been focusing on the men's side. I think it's one of those things where it's like the more that you concentrate, like the more that you try to like make something happen, the worse you are at it. Yeah. And then because they focus so hard on the men's side, the women's side is just able to like be free in itself. So, like, someone that actually knows what they're doing and can put together a competent plan is like, you know what, guys, you know what you need to do? This. I'll do it. I'll yeah. do this. Yeah. I can get this done. Anyway, moving on to MLS. Uh, I mean, you got any, like, just laughing at Toronto in general is, is always fun. Yeah, I love laughing at Toronto. I mean, I said at the beginning of the year that if you wanted, like, a dark horse wooden spoon candidate, it was, it was TFC. And no one believed me with this. But it's just when you look at the roster, it's a bunch of guys that are on not only like the wrong side of 30, but like the wrong half of their thirties in some cases. And there's no backup squad. I mean, they haven't put that much effort into the Academy really. And there's a bunch of Academy guys that are like the number two person behind, you know, any of the top tier players that they've imported or whatever. And so it just felt like it could all fall apart. I mean, like, and because like, you know, Io Akinola, Devon Kerr, I, those are two solid guys. I mean, I, I don't know what, like, I get well, so it. Part of it is like, there's, there's, so they, they have some talented homegrown players. It's just, they haven't done what like Philly did and really make, I mean, part of it is just like, I mean, what, like between like a sixth and a fifth of Canada's population lives in the greater Toronto area. And that is the MLS club that has the academy that will recruit you. And there's not as strong of a history of lower division soccer. I mean, like, there are, you know, a couple USL teams in the past, and now there's the Canadian Premier League, but, like, it, they just don't have the history and the structure the same way that, like, even some USL clubs do. So they have a huge amount of talent they can, like, draw from, and a lot of the people, like, like they are here, are people that are, like, you know, first, second, third generation Canadians that come from backgrounds where, like, soccer was a huge part of the culture growing up. So, I mean, there's a ton of great talent they can draw from. It's just they haven't been systematic in developing it. And there's no team in the league where you can guarantee that, like, I don't know, your home, your best homegrown number eight is going to be ready for MLS. Like, no team can guarantee that on a year-in, year-out basis. And that's where Toronto basically, basically is with a lot of positions in their roster. Yeah. Is there, is there any other uh, thing within, like, the past... 
I guess two rounds of games because like they want to do and the the official terminology is like what match day, match right? Days, yeah, it's it's match day, which like we, we started using it for men in red, even though it's like the fire from week one are always going to be one one number of games played behind the official match day. And by the end of the year, everyone will. But um, yeah, so yeah, two match days. I mean, so the one thing that I guess is of note, like kind of like looking forward a little bit is like those are two the only two times that Austin has managed to win in, in about a month, um, including getting booted out of the, uh, no, wait, sorry. They, oh, yeah, you're, you're doing a preview of Austin. That. You're like, save that. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm saving rest the, rest like, the league. They, they managed to win. Like they, they've been winning those games. They beat Toronto, which is the big connection between the two. It was a one, nothing win for Austin over Toronto. Toronto looked like they had absolutely no interest in trying to get a win that game. Um, and the other thing that I kind I think is, you know, in terms of teams that suck, DC just rolled over the LA Galaxy. Like it took them until like a the seventy first minute to to get on the board for DC. But I mean, they ended up winning three nothing with you know three goals in well, the span. That, of 10 that first goal was like uh, what Benteke just like I I don't I don't think it was Benteke who just like stole the ball, but like just the goalkeeper just coughed up the ball, gave it to gave it to DC, and Benteke scored on it easily. Exactly. Yeah, and like that's the kind of thing. Like that just has been the galaxy season. Like I, like they're they're not as bad as their record suggests. Because if they were as bad as their record suggests, they, like they none of the people would have been able to become professional soccer players. Like it's the level that the galaxy are at right now. Well, you know, Gabo Osaka. <laughs> yeah. And technically, so, guess- technically, it's the same amount of same amount of games played, and uh, the galaxy are doing better than Gamba. So. <laughs> so something that I think most of the listeners will know that we do not is how they play against the against LAFC in the US Open Cup, because that's happening tonight. Which I think I think there's a lot of people that kind of there's a lot of people that are like, this should be football heritage. The final should be the fire against the galaxy football heritage two teams that are not like they're, they're nothing right now, but they're going to try to do something in the Open Cup. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure every fire fan would much rather. uh well, it won't be the final. It would be the. Um, it won't be the final. It would be, be the, the semifinal. semifinal. Yeah, it would be the semifinal. But I'm I'm pretty sure that like, like to a person, every every human being that that likes the fire would much rather see the galaxy in the semifinal than LAFC. Yeah, uh, San Jose is doing well, so that's good for me. I said San. Mm-hmm. I said San Jose was going to do well, and uh, Atlanta would do bad, but they're both doing well. So I guess, I don't know. That's a, I think San Jose are happy with how they're doing. I think that Atlanta are sort of in the same place, like overall in terms of like positioning and record and stuff. But I think that Atlanta, like they still aren't comfortable with who they are. And I think that they're still kind of disappointed being kind of like, like, I don't think anyone factors them. Like, I don't think they're part of the same conversation that like Cincinnati, Nashville or New England are in in the Eastern Conference, and I think that like everyone kind of admits that they're like a tier below it. I guess Philadelphia too, although they've currently still got a worse record than Atlanta. Um, and I don't think that Atlanta are really comfortable sort of like being a like mid playoff spot team, but I think that's realistically where they are right now. And uh, I guess the last thing to mention is that uh, Cincinnati won Hell Is Real, uh, three to two over Columbus. With, uh, yep, Junior Moreno. That was, a, I mean, that was a great game. Like, that was the, uh, you know, that I think that was the best game of Rivalry Week. I mean, if we're just talking in terms of just, like, sheer entertainment value. 
I thought I thought it would be we could move in right now. I thought that was good. That was the fire game. I mean, there's something <laughs> about like there's something about getting a victory that I think matters. Um, the chaos of the fire also, against Atlanta. Also, it's so it's crazy to me. Okay, so like, explain to me how Chicago Atlanta is a rivalry. Like, it's not. They didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm just amazed the league didn't care that their team that draws the most fans. Well, um, let's just look at the rest of the the other southern teams that were playing. Because yeah, Nashville against Charlotte. I think they they want they're trying to make that that a thing. Miami against Orlando. Those are the, those are the other two southern teams. And then you know Dallas Houston were playing against each other. And I mean. They could have played against Austin, but I don't think that that I think that that's about as much of a rivalry as against the fire. So, yeah, Atlanta didn't really have too many choices for like anybody to play as a rival that week. So, I mean, it could have been like so the three teams that are obvious are like Atlanta, Charlotte and Nashville. They played Charlotte last week in like part one of rivalry week. And so it just makes sense that they would like, you know, I don't know play Nashville this time like that just seemed like more of a natural thing to me than because now who did Nashville play last week Nashville played against Charlotte the uh, on the day that's uh that the fire played against Atlanta Charlotte played against Nashville right 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 but there's Nashville played against Miami rivalry week thing it's now like a two like it was like the Saturday and Saturday everyone just decided to forget about the Wednesday but the league was calling both of those rivalry week matches Oh, so well, like, yeah, Nashville played against DC. Sorry, what? Nashville played against DC. Yeah, like that seems like a stretch. Like even like Atlanta DC seems like a little bit more of a thing where like Well, Atlanta played against Charlotte. I know they did last week. I'm saying that like you've got two rivalry week matches basically cuz the league has decided that rivalry week is two match days for again, I guess it happens in the space of a week, technically 8 days. So like I, I think everyone's agreed like Atlanta Charlotte makes sense as a rivalry. I'm just saying for I don't know why they sent Atlanta to us when the other options would have been like Nashville, DC, maybe even like Orlando, and then it, they have like Orlando, Miami play like the week before or something like that. Like it just it just seems odd to me. Well, you know, what do I know though? I still think that that that's uh According to a lot of people, a lot of the like overall league people said that like that was the most entertaining, entertaining fire game in a long time, and oh, probably the was, game yeah. of the the game of the night. I mean, it certainly wasn't like in an MLS after dark sort of way, like just with two red cards and the team going down a man, ending up getting ahead. Like is just like that's just beautiful whenever you can see it. Yeah, and I mean, just like the general chaos of it, like multiple VAR reviews, horrible officiating. Although we are skipping ahead over the uh, Charlotte game, which was, eh. Yeah, there's a reason we're skipping ahead over the Charlotte game. (laughs) I mean... It was, eh. You know, the fire did, you know, get a lead. Um, So there's that. I mean, Casper Casper only plays against Charlotte. That's the only team he cares about playing against. Exactly. Um, like I, I, I have said before that, like, oh yeah, they got a lot of uh, they got a lot of Polish players. I think that might be why he plays he, he plays so hard against them. The, yeah, I mean, they were missing. Um, uh, why Jones Viak. Yeah, they're they're missing him on uh, against the fire. But um, like, I, I guess the positive that I take from the 
the Charlotte game is, I mean, more like the subs coming on and, you know, some of them starting to look like they're maybe getting like ready for MLS minutes. Um, and then we saw more of that, I think, against Atlanta. But like on the whole, I mean, like the, the fire were like outplayed for the majority of that game and they got the result they deserved. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't really care too much about the game itself. I had fun. I had my own fun with that. No, I'm talking uh, about the, the fire. Charlotte, the fire. Oh, the yeah, game. yeah, the Charlotte game. I had my own fun with that at home. Just after the uh, the, the conversation after the game was fun with uh, the men in red uh, Twitter space making fun of oh, Nathan yeah. Bell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> getting booted multiple times for for saying for uh, for saying stuff about Naperville. Uh, the fire actually won on XG in that game too. It was one point four uh, to zero point six for the fire. Which is just crazy considering both like the final scoreline and the fact that the fire had like what like thirty some odd percent possession like and it wasn't it wasn't uh, even thirty seven percent possession. Okay, so yeah, just you know, a little bit more than a third of the ball. And Let me just check this energy. then, because because just checking like the XG on shots. Yeah, Marin Halasalasi zero point four four XG on one shot, then Casper zero point five five on a shot like right afterwards. Oh wait, no, that was the that was the one that was saved. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then 0.42. Yeah, it it had almost like almost 1 xg total on that one goal. And then after that like pretty much it was like what 0.13 for Shakiri at the end of the first half and then 0.05 for a Fede shot in the second half and that was it. Yeah, I mean I think that both teams had like five shots and I think three on targets. So that's not you know, again, like, not the most entertaining game any way you want to slice it. Like, fire lost, that's not great. Um, would have been cool to get at least a point, but they didn't really play like they really wanted it that much. Um, and walked out of Charlotte with with a loss. Then we go to the next game, which uh, that's, uh, what, 25 shots total in that game? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it was a high, it was like high event soccer. I mean, like, you definitely have to give the game that. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's uh, because I, I scrolled all the way down to like, we're just check the XG like I did before. Like, oh, yeah, no, that's a lot going on there. Uh, yeah. And then uh, what that I mean, Brady did well. Like, the thing is, is that I keep seeing people like say like, oh, I'd rather have Gaga. I'd rather have Gaga. It's like, do, are you not paying attention to like Brady is the reason why we stayed in a lot of these games. <laughs> Yeah, well, and like the team, and I've said this before, like the team to get those clean sheets for for Gaga last year was playing like desperate, like nothing. We don't care about anything that happens on the other side of the pitch. Like we are desperately defending and that's going to be that. And so a lot of those games ended up with like the other team having like one or two shots on target and Gaga got a clean sheet. And that's easy to do when you've got one or two shots on target, Um, you know. Brady faced seven against Atlanta and 15 shots overall. And I mean, the thing is, like, you don't know that a shot's not going to be on target. And sometimes some of this, like a lot of the stuff that Brady did was positioning himself in a way that the shot, you know, if it had been on target, it would have been to him. So that's part of the reason that it wasn't on target. Uh, I just want to point out that uh, I I just decided to check, like, I just sorted all of the uh, all of the shots by XG and the top three shot, uh, the top three XG shots were all all three of Atlanta's goals. That was Yakmakis in the 65th minute, uh, his uh, goal that was like 
0.93 xg like that well, that's yeah that's he, what happened he rounded. Two point blank at, yeah like, rounded know. him already he was right there and then uh gutman uh his goal in the 29th minute was 0.49 xg uh and then uh Giacomakis, uh that was uh 0.43 xg and then the highest then like the highest xg for like a fire goal was like 0.12 they had you know 0.4 for that's like for uh, 0.14 yeah well that that's that's post shot yeah xg uh that that was actually uh 0.25 xg apparently but like yeah that's what's the is in the 86 minute too was a 0.4 yeah 0.4 and yeah. so it's it's one of those things of just like yeah you're not getting good quality shots <laughs> Like that's, no, but I mean, but that's what happens. Like the, you know, to their credit, the fire were playing down a man, right? And so, I, I that affects what you can do a little bit since you are short footed um, for most of that game, um, you know. But well, I mean, like also, like to have that high XG on all of these shots that did not go in, like you're not you're not converting on those chances. Yeah, that's I mean, that's fair. Again, like part of it is like when you when you don't have as many bodies there. I mean, but I, I mean, I did criticize the fire on Twitter for just like there were plays where there would be a throw in and like it, like it wasn't clear what the idea was. Like, I, I got to give Klopas credit for going for it and like putting on offensively minded subs at parts of the game. But then when I look at where guys were on the field for some plays that you think maybe could have been something and I just I can't explain it. So I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game. Uh I missed a lot of the replays because I was because I, I was sitting with uh, Tim like first for the first half of the game and uh, explaining to his mother the the red card, but I didn't actually get a good look at the red card when they were showing the replays because of that. So like, did you by get a way, chance my, to rewatch? My mom them? loved you, by the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, did, did you get a well, chance to check the replay on? I that? did. Because yeah. So first of all, it wasn't a straight red, right? It was it was two yellows. It was a which, second yellow. Yeah, so we got a second yellow, which got Federico Navarro sent off with a red card in the 26th minute. And but there was a talk about the possibility of reviewing it for mistaken identity. That would be and So what? And I don't know if this was. I mean, this would be like a huge credit to to Mori Pineda if it, it is what happened. But I. So what happened basically is that Fede Navarro was given the second yellow for basically a you know stepping on the foot and not going for the ball just out like literally a couple of feet outside of the box on um god what who is the Atlanta player I'm blanking on it right now um but at if you there's a freeze frame that I've got where Navarro's clearly making contact with the with the Atlanta player's boot and Mori has his arm like is like has his hand on the Atlanta player's arm on the other side. And so that's why there was a question of mistaken identity. Um, one way to interpret it is that you could see in Fetty's eyes and with the first yellow, like the first yellow was him just like you uh, similarly, like you could see in his eyes, he was about to go in like a bull in a China shop and it just was going to rear. And he just completely fouled, fouled, uh, man, I'm forgetting on the Atlanta players, uh, name again i'm trying but, to look for it and yeah there's i i can't find where it says who he fouled because i'm looking at the match commentary on who scored doesn't say it yeah can't so see yeah it. um in any case it, the second yellow it's so maury's hand being on the player as if he's grabbing him trying to hold him back 
and then the Atlanta player flies forward to the ground, which is not what you do when somebody grabs your arm. But it's not like reactions in soccer are always 100% genuine anyways. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, but let me see if I can figure out who it was. I want to say it was... Um, uh, looking at the game, but in any case... It was a valid yellow. It was maybe like a little bit of a soft yellow, but Fetty did his boot did make contact with an Atlanta player's boot. Luckily, it was just outside the box. I think that that is more luck than skill. Um, oh, it was um, it was Miguel Barry, who was the striker in the first half because uh, yeah. Yukamakas is still working himself up to ninety minutes fitness after an injury. Um, so I mean, would it have been called all the time? No. Can I be that upset that it was called here? I mean, no, it was a valid foul. Like I said, I, I don't know if Maury was trying to saw what was going on. You can see him running, like basically making a, a dead run towards where Barry is headed. And is he trying to get into a slide tackle? It doesn't. It seems like he knows he's not going to be quick enough to do that. So then he gets his arm on him. And I don't know if he literally saw the look on Navarro's eye because it, it was one of those plays where Navarro kind of like gets beat on the first play and you just see him deciding to do a mad dash knowing he's going to be fast enough to catch up with the guy and try to make a defensive play and he does recover he's just not quite quick enough and there's no one between Miguel Barry with Pineda not able to make it and as you know Chihos isn't up to speed it, it would have been an open net for Miguel Barry, basically from like the 18 yard line as far in as he chose to go before letting off a shot. Um, so, you know, like I said, the one kind of saving grace of it all is that it happens outside of, of that line. So it, you know, it, it, there wasn't a penalty kick involved. Well, they did um, score off the free kick though. They, I mean, they scored off the free kick, but I mean, I will take, well, it was, you know, but it wasn't directly off of it. So Again, I don't know if Navarro, I don't think he was going in thinking he was going to get a second yellow. I think if it was inside the box, it would have been more reckless than it was from from my perspective of is it like, is he capable of holding back that little amount? I mean, because no matter what, I mean, the the chance you get off of PK is higher than the chance that you get, you know, when it's just a free kick. So. Unless you're playing FIFA 05. Uh, well, that is true. Uh, it's so much easier to score a free kick than to score a penalty in that. Yeah, anyway. because the goalies are given this like weird like it, it's like that like they reuse code from like NHL 05 and we're like, yeah, this is the way the goalies work in these situations. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so then moving on from that, like with uh, the the everybody thought that uh, Shakiri hit an Olympico. I don't. I, like, yeah, all of us pretty much said that it's an own goal. Yeah, I mean, it would have been sweet if it was an Olympico, but it, I mean, it, in any case, you know, it, it's an own goal that wasn't created because of Atlanta mistakes, if if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, it, it went off. of. It like, was a forced error. Exactly. And so, you know, even if you don't get credit for the goal, um, you know, it still was off of work that Shakiri did. And I think that, you know, we give him credit for that, even if it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. And Casper uh, got an assist, which, you know. Eh. Good for him. I mean, I think that, uh, let's put it this way. At this point, I, you know, 
I think you got to root for the guy a little bit. Like, he seems like a nice guy. He didn't control coming here. He didn't He didn't say, well, are you going to be playing in, like, a two-striker system? Because if not, I'm not going to be a good fit for you. Like, that's not his job. Philly wasn't offering him a guaranteed deal. It's understandable why a guy that has, his wife was pregnant at that point, like a guy that's about to have a kid, would want financial stability. Um, and why he would be, you know, and I think his wife also has family in the Chicago area. So, like, it was a good move. He was excited to be here. It well, didn't work out. The thing is, is that, well, I think this is an issue that I've seen with a lot of the team where it's just sort of like, you can't really, like, because of that whole uh, thing with, uh, wait a second, I'm just checking. I, I had a, I had, I suddenly had a loading thing and it's like, okay, is, am I not working anymore? Uh, you can still hear me, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, but uh, I think that there's an issue that I've seen with a lot of the team. I mean, it might be because of like that whole lack of personality that we've talked about uh, on the side that like there, there's not really much that we can see like people actually like, yeah, the players are buying into it because I don't think Casper ever really bought into Ezra's stuff. But that's because I don't think he had anything like I don't it, it, you you can't really see joy on a lot of these players' faces in general. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. You, you yeah, can, and I think that Klopas is doing a good job of getting Shakira to come out of his shell. Because I mm-hmm. think he's uh, we're we're seeing a whole lot more expression out of him now than we did before. But I it there's a lot of other guys out on this team that is just sort of like, I don't, I don't know if you care and not to say that you don't care. It's just, uh, I just don't see much. I mean, to be honest, I don't think the issue with, with Chibilko is him not caring. I think that he cares enough. I think that it's just a question of, you know, with between his health and his style of play, is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to produce large numbers of goals? And I think the answer is, you know, probably not, but I mean, having said that, like, it's better for us if he is able to score, if he is able to, you know, get off shots that are on target and get assists and stuff like that, because he will be getting minutes, at least for the next couple of months. I mean, regardless of whatever happens between now and the, you know, summer transfer window. So it's better for everyone if he, if teams at least have to treat him like a scoring threat. Oh, it's true. Uh, And then, you know, Martin. Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say, yeah, Marn is uh, doing very well. Uh, he, he's he he's only here on loan, right? He's only here yeah. on loan from Lugano. Now, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we do have an in with the owner of FC Lugano, so I, I think that if it has to be a permanent, maybe transfer, not the GM of Lugano. Yeah, well, for the time being, we do. So that's, that's that's a actually like a good transition to another part of the conversation on this, which is obviously the fire don't want the, the, like fire fans don't want Heights around anymore. But Heights has helped Lugano into a couple of their best seasons in a long time. Like they've won the they they, they won the Swiss Cup, and I believe they're looking to uh, uh, defend their title with the Swiss Cup. Yep. So it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you don't really want to get rid of Heights because he's doing so much good for your other team. But then it's like, okay, do you want to make keep it as that sort of same system? Or like, do you want to move it? Or like, so, yeah, that's why, think- so that's why they can't like fire him right now. You ha- have to like figure out, okay, so how are we going to do this? Right. And I think it's going to have to be, I think the other thing is frankly, like it, I mean, 
there's no one else on the like sort of like footballing operations side that could sort of be a caretaker the way that Frank Klopas can for being a coach. Like, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, he, I guess Klopas was technical director at the fire, but that was he was. And they're different. I mean, the league was well, a I mean, very also, different league back then. I mean, the, the other thing, too, is like he was technical director, mostly doing a cleanup job after the last guy was doing some real uh, shady stuff in the background. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that, like, I don't think that you look at Klopas as being like a, a realistic, valid option um, as even like an interim sort of like technical director, GM, whatever you want to call that position. Um, I think you let him focus on coaching and, you know, keeping the vibes good in the locker room. But um so you know if you fire heights the next guy up sebastian pelzer who came with heights and i don't think anyone thinks that like he's like this genius that's being held back by yeah by york heights so um you know but I, like there are things obviously that heights has been able to do well and i think that men's is trying to find a way to keep that you know like the you know getting uh john duran in the way that he handled the sale, just the connections to teams that he's got in Europe, because I think that something that we saw with like Philly, especially like maybe they've wised up now, but some of their earlier sales of Academy products to Europe, I mean, they were basically getting hosed, but they just didn't know any better. I think because they didn't have any, there was, I think a little bit of it is like you had, you know, execs from teams in Europe that are like, okay, you know, silly Americans, like we know how this works in ways that you don't. And they weren't able to get the maximum value for guys like Brendan Aronson and stuff like that. And and I think that Heights has been able to do that for the fire um, because he's got those European connections. Now, does that mean that you want him doing that all the time? No. Does it mean you can maybe like use him as an advisor? Maybe. But, you know, what so he did in Lugano. Really the thing, so like the thing, but like the thing that, that you're saying is that it's like, you know, he's good for Chicago selling players, but not acquiring players, which is kind of right. like, well, well if you want a team to win. In. No, I do not want to like Duran wasn't like some unknown Manchester United offered him a contract the same time the fire did. He was not unknown in the world. He was in like that list of like the Guardians, like top top young players. I'm saying he brought him in now. I think that, that about- might not. And from what I heard, that wasn't really heights. That was the scout that the fire sent, which I don't know who that one is. But also at the same time, the fire also like offered uh, the the reason why he chose the fire over United was because United wanted him in like their, you know, U20, like, you know, youth team for a while before like actually bringing him up. While the fire said, no, we'll give you playing time right away. And then they did. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it and and to be fair, I don't think that Duran ever really particularly acted like he wanted to be here. But I think just in terms of credit where credit's due, he did manage to sign him. And I mean, it's like saying that Nelson, that Nelson Rodriguez signed Basti. It's like technically Adidas signed a Basti. <laughs> yeah, but who's the technically here? I mean, because if Manchester United sniffing around. Technically, like, it was the it was that scout. That sc- <laughs> but that scout, I believe, was one of the was one of the Heights hires. Probably. Yeah. And then there's so I, I think you like I, just trying to give credit where credit's due. He did that now. I mean, in the end, do I think that he's been great at identifying talent? No, and you can see that with everyone from like Nacho Aliceta to um, Alonzo Aceves looks like he can maybe grow into the league, but I don't know if he's like really like a U22 level player. Like I, I would sort of rate him more like an academy homegrown product based on what we've seen so far. Um, and so you know, I I don't think that he's been great with a lot of parts of his job, but I think that there is like there's that selling players that he's been good at and occasionally hitting with identifying players. 
you know, he has had no interest in putting together a winning MLS roster or or aptitude for it or anything else. Like he he just seems to have not cared about the league rules or how to build a how to build a roster successfully. Well, I mean, there was the one report a while ago that like he refused to learn league rules for the longest time. Yeah, and it's entirely believable because otherwise, like, why do you, like you've got three DP spots? Why do you use all of them in one transfer window? And like the quote unquote marquee player you get out of that is Gaston Jimenez. Like, it's not a great amount of work. No, the, the, the marquee no the marquee player was supposed to be Barrich out of those three. I know, but how did that work? Like he, he was exactly out years right. So like the the like the one that worked out the best quote unquote is Gaston Jimenez. And he did not work out for a while. Yeah, and he's still, I mean, arguably, like, I honestly, at this point, because we don't have that third DP. And it's right not, like, now, he's fine. He's fine, but I don't know if having him on a TAM deal through 2025 ends up helping the fire. I, versus having him on a DP deal this year, and then letting him go on his merry way. Yeah. So. But in any case, I, I think that, you know, I, I see why... I think the other thing is like Mansuid is not a soccer guy. Like he doesn't know the league. He doesn't know the game globally. And so he needs someone who's a soccer guy to help him make those decisions, which is good. And from reports that I've seen, he, like he's been pretty content to sort of like open his checkbook and not like, he's not one of those guys that goes in and starts micromanaging decisions being made with the club, which makes it an attractive job. I think for, for some people or more attractive than it is if you haven't, uh, owner who is trying to micromanage but i mean it's 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 one of, it, i think that at the moment he's kind of got the from from what i've heard he has the keys for the moment because like well heights is not doing well for the fire he's doing well for lugano he's not doing well for the fire right right and so i guess the question is like how much of the keys does he have like does heights get to hire to get to sign a dp like he'd hinted i mean I well i mean heights is gonna say that and also technically it's gonna look like that but if heights isn't officially gone until the end of the season or at least like if heights is technically still both running both the fire and lugano until the end of the season when we can get like an actual mls gm in then it's going to look like he signed the DP, but I think they're going to sign a DP in the summer. And honestly, the, the one name that we keep hearing is Dineno. And mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't, I, I think both of us are kind of on the same wavelength of like, maybe we should like stop going after like Latin American players at major like DP signing because it's like, like you've said, uh, at least the, the, the one, how about you tell the story? Of, uh, of 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 learn of talking about uh, signing guy uh, Asian players, the one that I told earlier in this. Yeah, in this, well, in this no, episode. you didn't. You didn't tell the full. I don't think you told the full story. I think you just like hinted at it. I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't know if it's really a full story. I mean, basically, like there's stories of MLS, basically like scouts going in and sniffing around clubs in in Argentina and Brazil, and I mean. They just they don't understand the league rules that well. It's not their job to if you know if you're running a club in Argentina to understand MLS roster rules. They just know that some guy came from MLS and signed a guy for another team and gave you know a five million dollar transfer fee, and then that becomes the basis of negotiation for some of the clubs. And they've basically learned how to fleece MLS clubs out of money uh, in a way like you're paying absolute top dollar more than you'd have to pay like than a sim- like a club in 
in Europe would have to pay for the same player just because they think it's, I mean, it's like a, like MLS is this league where you can just overcharge. So, yeah, I think that like, I don't like, and also, you know, it, it, uh, the name Dineno doesn't really fit into that, uh, that like we had a very specific uh, criteria when, uh, when we were talking about like who we want as a DP, cause we don't have like a specific guy, but like the idea of just like, he should be, if we want like a marquee player and we have this much money to spend on a DP, it should be a name that like, if you say, if you tell me that name, I'd know who they are immediately. Like, right. I want like Piatek has to be open, right? Yeah. Piatek like, or, has or, to be available. Right. Or someone. Cause I mean, to, now to be fair to, well, I guess not so much Juan Danino, but more of his situation. He is playing in Liga Meki, so he's not playing in Argentina. Well, yeah, but I mean, I agree. Like, I mean, signing a twenty, signing a twenty-eight-year-old striker who, you know, I mean, he is playing right now for one of the bigger teams in Mexico. But it, I mean, is that really what we want to aim for? It also just seems like with Casper Shabilko, Heights was doing a reflexive like we should sign a Polish guy because we sold a Polish guy and we need a Polish guy, and not getting the like the subtext of like he has to play on the national team at least occasionally or at least like he has to be like pretty good right pretty (laughs) good or like especially like national team like national team performances at least sometimes like at least in the fringe of it which like shabilko was never going to be in that conversation he was for like a hot second for like a second when he was playing when he was playing really well for uh for philly like he was there for a hot second but we knew he wasn't going to be going forward and then it's like the same thing with uh, with Jairo Torres, where it's like Heights was told or like for some reason got into his head. I don't think he was actually told this by anyone. We need to sign a Mexican guy and a Polish guy and ended up whiffing on both. And now it's like he's got to sign a guy from Mexico who's Argentinian and I mean, isn't anywhere within a thousand miles of their national team conversation like i don't even think that well, he's I mean, played in their youth system not not even in that well i mean also heights has his own thing of like he wants to get like the biggest fish in the smallest pond which is like you're limiting yourself by the size of the pond eh? <laughs> like right. you're, you're you're uh and also like there's this old thing with uh within like women's soccer within the nwsl which is like you do not want to get the starting 11 for the u.s women's national team you want to get numbers like 12 through uh 12 through 23 as your starters or like you know the ones who are like just on the fringe where they might not get called up but you get to have them all season (laughs) exactly yeah you don't want a guy that's going to be like thinking about the national team conversation but i mean you also just want younger guys i mean because deneno's 28 he's about to turn 20 he would turn 29 like a month or two after uh the flyer were able to get him um well i mean also you look at his you look at his stats which he scored 14 goals this past season. Uh, then the season before was less, was eight. The season before that was 14. The season before that was four. He, he only was like doing really well when he was in like Ecuador and Colombia. <laughs> right. And like, right. And so like what, like what leads you to believe that this guy is going to be successful, especially at, one of the you know three DP spots, which is theoretically to bring in marquee players that have name recognition, which like obviously most teams don't recognize. 
anymore like it which is fine i think that it's better for the league that they're using it on younger players that actually can make more of a difference rather than just like a name for marketing purposes but he just doesn't seem like he fits the i mean he's not high profile um on any real scale and he's he he's not young enough where you think that he's going to be wanting to use this to be a step to the next part in his career um and he just doesn't seem like he's like that inspiring and good. So even if he is able to score, you know, goals for us on like a fairly regular basis, I, I don't think he's going to come in and like compete for like the golden boot or anything like that. And I think that he's going to be his, there's a reasonable chance his first season here, his first full season at least, will be his best. And then he'll start declining after that. So yeah, I think we're both on the same page with this, where it would be better to have the open DP spot than it would be to sign a DP. So I'm doing, uh, I'm running a calculation right now on uh, two players. I'm just going to see, I'm, I'm running a calculation on like a comparison of Dineno against the guy that I kind of want to see, Shuto Machino. Which you look at the rate that, you know, Machino is scoring. Uh, he's scoring, he, he has scored seven goals in 13 games. And Dineno has scored uh, has scored in this season. It's it's different time frames too. So like this season, he scored 14 goals in 34 games. Uh, I'm trying to find where's it going to have the rate. Uh, can can you do the math or something? Like I'm trying or, to find. Yeah, I it, it, it's numbers. supposed I to have. Know. It's supposed to. Oh, here it is per 90. There we go. So per night, Shuto Machino scores 0.57 goals per game. And Dineno is 0.45 goals per game. Uh, Machino also has 0.24 assists per game. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do span of seasons. So it's gonna be, you know, 2022 to 2023 for him. And I'm gonna do span of uh, 2021 se- to, uh, season to 2010 to 2023, just for uh, for to see like how the, how well this does. So. Yep, Shudo Machino still has an even higher per 90. It's 0.62 goals per 90. And then Dinano has a lower per 90 is 0.4 goals. Yeah, and I then mean, we are talking about different leagues. So we're talking about different so leagues. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like, let's just say the J League has had a dearth of scoring recently. Ever since, uh, ever since they got like gutted by Celtic, like they've had a, they, they haven't had too many guys showing up and scoring. And by the way, Pumas is a solid team. Shonan Belmare, as we mentioned earlier in the show, and as I keep saying every single week, they are not good. But they have one of the best scorers in the league. And it's not like, you know, uh, Machino is, like, young. Uh, I think he's, like, let me just check this. He is... He's 23, so he's still yeah, he's young. I think that's the right age, I think, to be wanting to bring a guy in because it's young yeah. enough where he could potentially play here for a couple of years and still be of interest of some teams in Europe. And he could, you know, make a name for himself that way. And I it's mean, also like, and also like, uh, it's, it's a little, it's old enough where it's just sort of like, well, we're not using a YDP slot on him. So, like, yeah, we, so he's not a YDP, he's not a U22 slot, but it's, it's also like you're getting a finished product, right? Like, that's the thing. It's with Nacho Aliceta. And I, I do wonder because the league had been talking about, not to defend heights with this, the league had been talking about the U22 initiative. And I think that they basically had the outlines agreed and the plan had been to introduce it in 2020. And then with the pandemic, that didn't happen. So I, I do kind but of they wonder. Signed, they I'm, signed Ali Seda before that, though. 
Right. Before but the pandemic teams, started, they signed him. I know they signed him before that. But and then that's when the league was talking about introducing the U-22 initiative for 2020. They, they were dropping hints that you'd be able to grandfather players in. Uh, and I think that that's the question is if he would, if the plan was to grandfather him into a U-22 contract. But obviously that didn't happen. We weren't stuck with him too long because the Heights bought a team to send him to almost. But or um, Mansuito did rather on Heights's sort of suggestion. But um, regardless, I mean, you're not buying an unfinished product like that, or like what we got with like Alonzo Aceves, where there's some talent there, there's some things he can do, but the expectation was never like, yeah, if something happens to someone, he could be starting 90 minutes within a couple of weeks. Like that was never the plan for Alonzo Aceves. And so he's a guy, but you're right. Shoot the Machine looks like a guy that is ready to play at an MLS level. You know what you're getting. He's still young. He's not towards the end of his career. And, you know, he's like a sort of like fringe national team player for them, which again, I think is good because yep. it gives a guy something else to sort of like try to aim for. Like, I want to get noticed to be a more part of the national team picture going forward. Um, versus like what, I mean, What's Juan Danino playing for? Like, he's never going to be part of the Argentinian national team conversation. He's not going to get sold to Europe for big money. I mean, sure, it's, like, better to score goals and not, but there's no other things that, like, playing for the fire could really offer him. I'm trying... I'm not... Now I'm trying to look for, like, K-League players, which the that's another team. Shoot a machine, though. Like, he debatedly may actually be like a tam level signing in terms of like the finances of it yeah that's what i mean like he doesn't have to be a deep a dp signing he's a solid striker that we can bring in and he could probably play we like i don't know i would have to do a whole lot more actual like watching game watching of games for research to see like how we can do as like two striker i mean i can actually wait do you think that uh who scored would have that information no you're, you're oh wait no it doesn't have J league it doesn't yeah. have J league so yeah uh, but, but like in, in terms of like what formation that they play in. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to wait. I think the up, match but... logs, I think the match logs actually do show. The, yeah, but nope, then they don't show the formation. One in any case, yeah. I mean, I think that we're agreed is like worth looking into. And he seems like the kind of player that they should be looking to sign, maybe not as a DP, but like as someone they could sign. I mean, he would have been, I think he does play in a two striker player. system. He does play okay. a two-striker system with uh, Akido Suzuki. Yeah, I'm looking up like what they've done so far this year, and they're they've been a three-one-four-two all season long. Yep. Um, Which honestly sounds like something that that I, that that sounds like something that I would want the fire to do. <laughs> I mean, the challenge is though, like when you you're like letting in stupid numbers of shots with a four-man backline. Like, what makes you think that going to a three-man backline is going to make things better? Score more than the other team. <laughs> Just score more than the other team. Okay, but when Casper Shabuko that has been my that that has been Kasper my thing. Shabuko is even half of that striker system, and who's the other one? Because like that's the other thing. Like Kutsias doesn't look like he's ready to be going ninety. No, he, what I'm saying with like Shudo Machino, and then run that. Oh, I'm fine with that. That would be worth trying because like otherwise, <laughs> like right now, it's like okay, well, you got Casper and you got Kai, and then if one of them gets injured, keeping in mind that one is injury prone and the other is thirty eight. Like, you have no backup plan. Like, Kusias can take minutes, and he looks like he's, like, growing into MLS faster than I thought he would. But, like, it, a starting lineup with Kusias being the best striker option, I mean, I, I know our friend Alex really 
wants Missa to Michelle Rodriguez to be our boss, yeah. Alex. Actually, uh, well, you, you know, you know what we call him on the podcast, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> other Alex. Um, wants to see him start. I I don't think that Klopas or anyone else really has that zeal, but you know, I mean, so right now we don't have the players, but yeah, I mean, look to sign a guy like Shutomashina from the J League. Um, I think somebody's mentioned that he would be like the second, first or second. Asian he would be player. the first. He would be the first Asian player for the fire, because Futagaki uh, was like, you know, he's Asian American, but like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's like from like. I mean, even like, so he'd be the second Asian player of Asian descent. Yeah, to, pretty much. To play for the fire. Okay. Yeah, Ryan Futagaki is from like SoCal. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, but like when you're talking about like if. I mean, if part of the idea of increasing representation is so that people can can see, you know, themselves in a way that they can't in other, you know. Oh, he's still playing beach soccer. He's still yeah. playing beach soccer for the for the uh, national team. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's crazy when you've had as many players of Aboriginal Australian descent as you have Asian descent when like half the world's population lives in Asia. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, like, I think technically speaking, the first like uh the first um uh asian player signed to a men's chicago team was like the house <laughs> well when they signed I that mean, when they signed the defender you know peter wilt you have to give him credit for a lot of things yeah well it's it's also just like you know that fact of just like yeah you gotta just like look in different places i mean that's that's what I think a lot of people were really excited about when Heights came in was because like, Oh yeah, he found Mo Salah in Egypt. That's so cool. And it's yeah. like, cool. So we're just looking in, in South America. Okay. Why? <laughs> right. Because we're also in the Americas, like not realizing that a globe is a sphere. So Argentina is, you know, farther away than pretty much anywhere in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. But like it, it's more of just the thing of like, why are we sticking to the same places that everyone else looks? You know, right. I, and meanwhile, you, you know, Minnesota, Minnesota, like trying incredibly hard to get one Korean player. They, they, it didn't even matter which what it was. They're just going after whoever. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, did actually I do need to check this if Cho Sung actually signed anywhere. Cho Gesung is still with uh, John Buck. Huh. So, yeah. Like, he would be... Honestly, I would take him as a DP. Like, he would be my choice for, D- for, for, for uh, DP signing. He also, he's already done his, uh, done his international service. He's already done his, uh, his military service. So, like, you could just have him. And he's, like, 25. Where, like, yeah, I mean, I think he plays here... What's, you, but I think that we're both kind of agreed, like without saying it, like we just don't think Height should be making that decision. And so, I, I mean, at least myself, I would rather we have an open DP slot if it makes the job more attractive to someone that would want to come in as a general manager, you know, next season, than have the DP slots all filled and then have to sort it out. I'm going to start a new Twitter account and I'm going to tweet, has the fire signed Cho Sung? And it's going to be no every single day. And I'm just going to make that a thing now. <laughs> oh, boy. I need, I, like, Cho Sung 
and Shuto Machino, like Shuto Machino coming out, coming in off the bench with like Kutsias, like basically like one or the other starts that game, and then Choge Sung starts all the games. Like that would be great for me. <laughs> I don't think we've got either the international slots or roster spots open for that. We can. I believe they were talking to Choge Sung. Uh, like Minnesota was talking to Choge Sung and telling him, like, we can give you like a green card like right away. <laughs> Yeah, but they changed the they changed the rule in the league partly because of the way that the fire were getting green cards so quickly, where now you have to have the green card by the roster compliance date at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh That's that. That that that's that's me once again saying that we should be getting Asian players. And I was just very happy to have you on so that I could so that you could help me out instead of Adnan just saying you're you're a weave, shut up. <laughs> no, I mean it's, it's a place that people aren't looking. It's a logical place to look. It's a place where you're the, like I think there's value. I think that there's skill there. And to some extent, I think that if you're aiming to get to Europe, if you're playing in Japan or Korea, there's an argument to be made that MLS is a stage. It's at least a different stage. I, I think it probably is a bigger stage with the way that it's scouted in Europe. Yeah, like you. Well, right you now. can get to Europe technically, but like you'd go to Belgium or like a low, de- uh, like a lower German side. Right, and as opposed, or you to, can go to like Chicago, and then you know, well, somebody Chelsea. went to Chelsea from Chicago, so right. like you can go there. Yeah, exactly. So there's a more direct path. So I think you can sell, but again, it's got to be someone who's like the right profile where you think that they're already enough of a finished product where they need to be put on a stage and given an opportunity, but not, you're not trying to develop them as much per se. Like you're not getting like a 19 year old project and you're also not getting a guy that's like 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. That is sort of like, all right, I mean, it'd be cool to play and score on a winning team, but if not, I will perfectly contentedly collect a paycheck for a few months out of the year and then just go back home for the rest. I'm so annoyed. There is a I, I was looking for a Choge Sung fan camp to just tweet every single day, but uh I can't find it anymore, so I'm kind of annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well it's it's also just like he is look man, we could get we could get K pop stands in on this because like he is pretty boy <laughs> as well. <laughs> I mean, there aren't many like he visible. Got, he got incredible. Well, he got in- incredibly big because of because like oh, he scored in that one one game. It wasn't even like he didn't even score like a an it, like an important goal. It's just like so like yeah. NBC News had a had an article about him being a thirst trap. <laughs> a, uh. a fan cam video of of uh, Cho simply sitting on the bench, staring into space. <laughs> got six million views i mean there aren't that many k-league fans or sorry k-pop fans and evidence at fire games right now so that's an angle that yeah, the team certainly exactly. has not exactly just like if you want to bring in fans just be weird <laughs> this is I mean, one way to be weird and also a solid player <laughs> I, I completely agree with you i mean like for some reason I, I think maybe because of like i don't know europe inferiority complex that mls teams have like they forget that this is supposed to be fun like oh yeah definitely well i mean that's that that's one of my big things with like look if the fire are gonna suck at least do it while having fun right (laughs) find find ways to make like why do we have i i mentioned this before why do we have a star wars night and not an anime night because everybody has a star wars night who does an anime night in mls who does a wrestling night in mls like 
do something fun and interesting that nobody else is doing. And you can get people to show up even if they're losing. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many random things that you can get people to do in Chicago or like, I mean, yeah, well, this this could be a long conversation. But I mean, I think that we it's like, hey, some crappy fireworks after the game. Like, who cares? Like, they're, they're not as good as the ones at Navy Pier that you can see for free. Like, people are just not going to be impressed. Like, just do something. Do something interesting. Do just do something. Anyway, uh, what about the uh, next next couple of games then? So the at, at the time of recording, the U.S. Open Cup match is tomorrow. Uh, the team is playing in Austin in their first game ever uh, that actually counts in Austin or against Austin, either home or away for that matter. Um, should be a good game. It looks like uh, Dreesi is injured still for Austin, so that's a big win for the Fire because he is by far their most dangerous player. Um, and it'll be the sort of like 1998 fire, uh, reunion. It's not quite a derby because of the distance, but reunion, I don't know, match because, uh, Josh Wolf is the head coach of Austin and Frank Klopas and Wolf were both on the pitch during the 1998 well, US. Pretty much, pretty much most of the, uh, most of the fires coaching staff. I think all of coach fires coaching staff right now, actually. Yeah. Now that um, now that uh, uh, gone. yeah, Junior yeah. gone. Yep. So yeah, CJ Brown. I don't know, if CJ. Did he play that game? I think he did. I'm pretty sure he did. Um, hold on. I'm I'm still on the showcase song page on on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, he did. He started the game and he he went the full I guess 99 minutes up until when Klopas scored the um the golden goal. Yeah. Because I know that's as did Josh Wolf. Yeah, I know that there was another there. I forgot who came on for Kubik, but yeah, uh, for Kubik, uh, Josh Keller, but he left. Um, yeah, and Zach Ibsen came in for him. Yeah, I remember doing that article. <laughs> uh, and then uh, yeah, that's 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 fun. I think that's yeah. fun. <laughs> I think it's fun too. I mean, it's it's cool that there's like all these players that are like connected to this one team, this one point that that really was like such a pivotal point in American soccer history because there was no guarantee that MLS was going to continue, and there was no guarantee that like the team was that the U.S. men's national team was going to keep on making it to World Cups or being competitive in any real sense. So like that, so many guys were part of this one team that was successful in MLS early on and have gone on to make you know, contributions like throughout the league. Well, I mean, if you read my Henry Ring article, if you read my Henry Ring article, you know that like Bob Bradley created that environment and like made and got a lot of guys that became coaches because, you know, he he first of all helped develop them uh, and also just made sure to get good guys. Right. And, And that's what's so unique about it. It's not like it's not like the coaches, the guys that became coaches on that team, because I mean, it's. I mean, it's a lot, like, right? Like, C.J. Brown, Chris Armas, Jesse Marsh, Josh Wolf, Peter Nowak. Lopas, Peter Nowak, although he hasn't... Peter Nowak, I, I don't know. He, his time coaching Nova, out of out of all of the player, Out of all of the former Fire players that have become coaches, he's the only one who's won MLS Cup. Oh, that's fair. He's the only one. Um, in any case, like, all those guys were on the pitch in that 1998 U.S. Open Cup final. And what, what's kind of crazy is, like, it's not like they just... It's not like they're playing. It's not like the Red Bull system where like everyone plays this like 
system inspired by what Bob Bradley was doing. Like they have radically different ideas on the game and how to approach it. And, you know, like that just shows that like you weren't just getting people that would follow and learn to do what Bradley was doing. But like they were people who were like learning to think, you know, um, like they, they all have different ideas and they all kind of develop them. Josh Wolf's is interesting. He has he plays a positional sort of system and he's the only guy in MLS that has tried it. Um, it hasn't worked out great this year for them for sort of predictable reasons. Yeah, internet stopped working. Okay, well, as long as you're back. Yeah. Um, or at least, like, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, no. Entire internet on this computer stopped working, so I gotta figure out how that... how to fix that. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, the... I can still pull up the game plan? Yes, I can. Uh, although there's not much on there left. Uh... There's that, and there's also the the game on Saturday, right? Yeah. Um, so they're playing the New England Revolution on Saturday um, in Foxborough, Math. Um, so I mean, it kind of like it's, it's sort of funny, like another like OG MLS coach um, before they then go and face uh, Toronto the week after, which is you know Bob Bradley is coaching. So lots of um, lots of trips down memory lane for Frank Lopez and CJ <laughs> Brown coming up this week, but. Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think the New England game is probably going to be a tough one. So far, it looks like Carlos Seal is injured, which again is like another lucky break for the fire. But because the Revs uh, managed to lose in the Open Cup uh, to a lower division team, like they've only played four games um, since like starting on May 6th, when like the first game in May for most, or actually I think every MLS team. Um, so they've played four games, and the Fire, it will be their seventh game. That will be their fourth game, rather, and the Fire's seventh. So lots of miles going on the Fire. Um, New England are going to be comparatively well-rested, and it's at home, whereas the Fire have, like, kind of been, like, jetting across the country back and forth. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think that, like, I don't think that there's any game that any MLS team is really, like, oh, well, there's no way they can do that and count them out. And I think that Klopas has been a really good motivator. It's just, that's going to be a tough one. Oh, yeah. I think that... I think that they're going to win the, the the Open Cup game, but I'm not sure about, you know, any other game. I think right. the, the main thing is that, like, I think Klopas really wants to get that fifth one because he ha he personally had a chance to do it and wasn't able to get it. Back in like uh, 2012, I think. Yeah, right. And and he, I think he also just sees the value in it from the stand fan point and from the team fan point. Um, like it gives you something to believe in. Like there's something it you, about it gives you. It's the first. It'd be the first piece of silverware in almost two decades. You know. Right. And you have to go for it. I, I, now, I think that right now, Austin are kind of in the same place because they were like unceremoniously booted out of um, the CONCACAF Champions League by a team that hadn't played in a year, consisting of like nine dudes and then some other dudes they found that like maybe had a tenuous connection to Haiti if they could get it. But I don't think that was <laughs> a requirement. Um, but like literally just like, oh, you can play soccer and you're not signed by anyone. Cool. Want to play with us for a couple of weeks? Um and and the fact that their season hasn't really been on track versus what the expectations were with them finishing where they did last year in the standings. I, I think that both teams kind of look at the Open Cup as like, this could be like a salvation, like something to 
sort of change the trajectory of how we look at this year. Um, but I, I do think that the Fire have, you know, good chances going in because I, I think that Austin's problems are a little bit deeper than, than like, are immediately apparent with the system that Wolf has in play. Um, and I think that Klopas, just the energy that he's bringing, as well as the fact that, like, he's getting guys to click uh, in ways that they weren't before. So. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. Pretty much it. I mean, like, do you have do you have a score? Well, I mean, technically, we we have the official preview already up on Men in Red. I put in two one fire. Uh, what was yours? I was also two one. Some part of me is tempted to say, like, I was tempted to say that it would go into overtime, but the second goal would happen in overtime. But also, the game starts at eight, and like, you know, I I just don't want to be like stuck around my TV until like 11 o'clock at night. So it'd be great if they were able to finish it in 90 minutes. I think it'll, I, I think it'll be weird, but it won't, it'll be weird and it'll be difficult, but it won't, it won't go into extra time. I don't think. Yeah. Um, man, I still have like nightmares of, uh, flashbacks to watch, like being at soldier field in fairly crappy weather as union Omaha, you know, took the game to 120 minutes and then one in PKs. That was just, not a night I want to relive, even if I'm just doing it from the comfort of my own TV. Um, and then for the uh, for the Revs game, what do you say? I mean, you know, I'm going to be an optimist with this. I'm going to say two-two uh, draw. Yeah, I don't really have. I I I'd need some time to. <laughs> I'd need some more time to think about what I want to say for that. My, but, uh, head is saying that, my head is saying that the Rev should win. And, you know, for a while, they look like a team that was going to be, you know, once again, competing for the supporter shield before FCC just got greedy. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough challenge for the for the fire. Like, luckily, the game after that's against Toronto. And then they go to Cincinnati, where the team is a perfect eight zero and oh, so. It's not getting easier, so getting a point would be a road point would be phenomenal, and, and and there starts to be a point where points on the road are necessary. So I'm hoping that one of them happens then. All right, I mean, right now, actually, I'm now fully trying to put together my uh, my official uh, get Charlie Gay song to the fire. <laughs> so, nice. but uh, uh, you got anything else to say? I'm good. I think we've been on enough to probably put most of our listeners to sleep so fantastic i'm jiggly and i'm tim uh eat the rich protect trans kids